So, hey, if you've got that outline that uh, was with the program, did you guys get those? There's a little outline. I want you to pick it up with me. Uh, and, hey, Gary, I'm just giving away cookies. Jay inspired me. There's a couple of quotes there I want you to look at just to introduce what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Tasha Urich, who's a psychologist, she wrote in the, the Harvard Business Review, she said, research suggests that when we see ourselves clearly, we're more confident, more creative, we make sounder decisions, we build stronger relationships, and communicate more effectively. We're less likely to lie, cheat, and steal. And what she's talking about is self-awareness. And, you know, in, in the business we're right now, self-awareness has, has gained a, a whole new level of uh, visibility because people have seen that self-awareness is really an important aspect of, of our character. But uh, I'll let you read the rest of the quotes there. I have a whole bunch here that I'm not going to go through them. But if you don't realize this, self-awareness comes from self-reflection. Just becoming aware of who you are in your life and your gifts and your flaws and, uh, you know, who you are as a person and what makes you different from a person next to you, that doesn't just fall on you. Uh, you don't, you know, drink something, some kind of special smoothie, and you become more self-aware. It doesn't work that way. It, it, it's the product of a process, and that process starts with self-reflection. So what I want to look at today is, the practice the, the, the God calls us to self-reflection, and then the church for centuries has practiced a way of self-reflection that is life-changing. It's really simple. It's something you do every day. I'm going to show you how to do it. It's 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 real brief and easy to get a hold of. And then I just want to touch on like the impact that this will make in your life. So Paul wrote, excuse me, in the, the psalmist King David wrote. In Psalm 4, 4, he said, In your anger, don't sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. And then Paul took that same passage and he wrote it to the early Christians in the first century in, in the book of Ephesians. And he said, In your anger, don't sin. He quoted that. Then he added to it. He said, Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. So he's adding to it. He's saying that, the self-reflection is really important. And, it, and what he's kind of positioning us that in, in Psalm 4, the psalmist was saying, if you, a, a great time for self-reflection is right when you go to bed. Because what you're doing is you're looking back and you're reviewing the whole day. And you're trying to see what happened. You're trying to see things that maybe you didn't see because your day was of a sort that you just kind of zip through it. And there was so much noise and activity that you, you missed what, what was going on there. And, you know, one of the things we know is that God's in everything. Now, you may be sitting here and thinking, God's in everything? God's in car accidents? Well, it doesn't mean he causes car accidents. But when there's a car accident, God is involved there. He's available. And one of the things that self-reflection does as you practice it, as you begin to see where God is, where you thought he wasn't. Uh, another psalmist, I think it was David, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. 
See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And Robert Mulholland, who's a a very famous uh, Christian leader, said self-awareness is crucial to the goal of spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is defined as the processes of becoming conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. And, And You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago how you're being spiritually formed every day. All the choices you make, everything you do, is shaping your life in some direction. And it's either being shaped consciously, purposefully, towards Christ, being conformed to his likeness, or towards something else. And we talked about the contrast, what you end up with. If you just go through your life kind of just aimlessly living, you're not going to become the person you could be. Certainly, you'll never become the best version of yourself. And, and there's a lot of possibilities that you, you'll miss. And there's a practice that uh, a Roman Catholic leader named Ignatius, and they, what they call him Saint Ignatius in Roman Catholic circles, centuries ago, he was trying to find a way to help leaders in his order cultivate a Christ-likeness and grow in, in terms of spiritual formation. And he created this little practice. It's a daily practice called the examen. How many of you ever heard of this before? Raise your hand if you heard it. A few people. Okay, good. Good. I have a, an, an untaught audience, largely. So he wanted to give his, uh, the priests that are in his order a tool, a simple tool that they could use every day that would form them, that would shape them. And you might have thought, examen, are, are you mispronouncing that? I don't know. You know, I don't speak Latin, uh, whatever language Ignatius spoke, but this is how it's come down to us. And there's five, there's five simple steps in a daily examen. And so if you get a look at this with me, I'm, I'm going to point them out to you. We're not going to practice it today. I'm just going to explain it to you briefly. You ask, when you, at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you ask... You pray, God, make me aware of you right now. Because this whole, the whole idea of self-reflection is not about introspection. Introspection is where you, you look in your own life and you just feel miserable about it. Introspection, uh, one famous Christian leader said, is a disease. Self-reflection is not introspection. God wants to be part of everything you do. And if you pray and ask him, he will take you through this process and speak to you in the middle of it. And you're not just left up to yourself because how many here are perfectionists? Uh, some of you are wondering, am I a perfectionist or not? You know, I, I want to be precise in this. Yeah, you're probably a perfectionist if you're thinking that way. When you're a perfectionist, one of the struggles that you have is you're, you, you live with this nonstop inner critique. I just don't measure up. And one writer said, this is what we all live under this, the, 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 the summary statement of your life is, you're not enough. You ever feel that? I'm not enough this. I'm not enough that. And some people, women in particular, uh, women feel like, I'm too much. I'm too much. Men are threatened by me. And that inner critique, when you go to bed at night, if you allow that, that voice, if you let it loose, you will not sleep well that night. But if you say, come Holy Spirit, Come and guide me and speak to me. And you wait for a moment. God's presence will come to you. And the rest of this process will not be introspection. It will be 
healthy self-reflection. That's important. Second, what you do next is you review the day from beginning to end. Just skim across it with gratitude. This isn't a credit report where the late bills and everything come up first. You understand? Some of you are going, what's a credit report? But it's easy to, to focus on negative things first. And, and the daily examine is asking you to look at your day and look at the gifts of God. Look at the gifts of God that are small and large and then do this. Out loud, thank Him for them. If you need to name them. Now, this can become a dead end time-wise because we're, we're showered once you begin to look at your life and think of all the ways that God's blessed you. And it's not a bad thing to just stop with gratitude, but there's other things that God wants you to, to review and reflect on. But gratitude is a powerful, powerful thing to cultivate. And so if you do this every day, you're going to start enjoying your life. Remember how we've talked about gratitude before? How one of the things that gratitude does is it makes food taste better? It does. When you stop and you go, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this cupcake. I'm going to talk about sweet things because I'm really appreciative of sweet things. Everybody gives me a hard time for all the sweets I eat, but that's how I keep this girlish figure. It's my own little diet. But stop and thank God for the things that are in your life. Your attitude changes. Your, your, your whole look at life over time. Now, I want to tell you something about the examiner, about all these spiritual practices that I'm, I'm teaching you. They are not quick fixes. Nobody changes in a significant way overnight. They're the, their part, formation, is that. It is a process. But trust me, a grateful person is a, a, a lot better person to be around. It's an, uh, you'll be a lot better person to live with just with yourself, much less the people around you when you live a life of gratitude. If you do this every night, you begin to become grateful during the day, too. And in circumstances where you feel yourself beginning to grumble and complain and get negative, you'll find this attitude of gratitude starting to express itself during those moments. Instead of giving into that, the, the circumstances that could shape you and make you ungrateful and complaining, which makes you miserable, you express gratitude. That's the second thing. Third, now this is, this is the tricky part. This is the part where most people really feel stretched. Is Notice, once you've gone through the day and you begin to be grateful for things, notice the feelings that you had, and two kinds of feelings in particular. Uh, one writer called them the beautiful and the brutal. So think during the day about where you felt joy, where you felt peace, where you were spontaneously grateful, where you felt energy, where you felt satisfaction, and think about how you felt there. Pay attention to those feelings. Because the reason why you're paying attention to feelings is this. Most people think God only speaks to me through ideas. In other words, it has, there's some concept that, that God reveals himself to me through. No. God will speak to you in and through your feelings. Now, I don't mean that, that you're controlled by your feelings. I'm just saying when you're having a feeling, you're reacting to a situation that God is involved in. And again, not that he caused it, but he's in it. Remember how we've talked about, like between us and people and our relationships with people, God is in that space between us and other people. 
And how we respond to them enables us to connect with God who's there, who's in all places at all times, with all people, even rebellious people, even people who don't believe in God. God's there with them. He's real. He loves them. Just like that song we sang. The, the, the New Testament has this theme of the relentless pursuit of God for the people that he made, that they would know him. See, God didn't make us because he needed us. God made us, get this in your heads, he made us so we could experience him and all of his love and all of his goodness and all the joy that he could bring, all the good things that he made us to see around us and experience. He made us for a good world. It's broken because of us, but it doesn't mean that, that God's purpose still isn't at the center, at the center of everything. And so he is in everything, and he's in our feelings. We have to pay attention. We also pay attention to the brutal. Now, Ignatius called these, the good parts of our lives, our consolations, and the hard parts, desolation. And the desolation is where you felt sad, where you felt alone or lonely, where you felt angry, where you felt anxious, where you felt afraid. A lot of times we don't like to dwell on those things, but those are the places where God reveals himself to us again. He's there. And sometimes what we learn, in fact, often what we learn when we're in experience, excuse me, when we're in a situation and we have a certain kind of reaction to it that's negative, that can begin to tell us something about what's going on inside us and our posture towards the world that we're in and our posture towards God. But if we don't examine our feelings and see what they're telling us, we, we can live cluelessly. Now, this is a discipline. This is where the discipline is super helpful to you because the awareness of what we're feeling is, is really crucial to a mature life and a satisfied life. But our culture, it, it seems like it's designed to distract us, to keep us busy, to keep us preoccupied so we don't notice all these things that, that God's put in our world and, and put around us, that, that he's showering on us. It's like we can just buzz through them, like driving through a snowstorm and the snowflakes are falling around you and there, you're in your car, and you're completely, you know, protected from them. And we miss so much because of the fact that we're not attentive to our feelings. Now, I'm not going to say much more about this. We've talked, touched on it other times, but that's part of what you're doing. Then, out of that, at this point, you've kind of surveyed your life. And here's what you do. You say, God, show me one thing. And usually, it's already come to your mind. And sometimes it's a negative thing where you realize, I didn't speak well and kindly in that moment. And I need to ask God's forgiveness for that. And I need to talk that through with him because he's brought that to my attention. And maybe that's a pattern that you engage in. And sometimes in these moments, this is where, where we're being self-reflective, where we pick up patterns of behavior that we've struggled with, that other people have struggled with, with, with us, that we've been, we've had blinders about. Have you ever, have you ever gone through a situation where, gone through a, a whole day, 
and you had a big, you know, splotch of mustard on your shirt, and, you know, you, you, you sit in the car, and, you know, you're going like this, and you're doing your hair, and you go, oh, 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 no, you know, that's why I didn't close that deal. The guy kept looking at it. You know, I thought he was looking at my pecs. No, he was looking at the big splotch of mustard, right? Uh, silly example, but, but, you know, we all have blind spots, and the people around us see them. And, and some of those blind spots, it's not like they're, the, they're, they're something that we can't make any impact on. They're things that we can change. But like Pete Scazzaro said, he said, if you're not aware of it, you can't change it. And the one good thing about the hope that Jesus gives us is we can change that the world can change, we can change, circumstances can change. So we, the last thing we do, so let's see, go back over, review, ask for God's awareness, review the day with gratitude, pay attention to your feelings, pick one moment and pray it through. Then last of all, look towards tomorrow with trust and hope. So what you do is you, as you're sitting there, you think about the next day, just skim it. Think about the big things that you're going to have to do, Meetings, whatever, opportunities, stuff that maybe it's going to be difficult. You just get that in your mind, get a picture. You watch the feelings that come up with that because you may be aiming for the next day to have a tough conversation with someone. You can feel inside you, oh, I don't want to do that. And you need to take those feelings and, and pray a prayer to God because those feelings are telling you something, that you need his help that your heart is anticipating the difficulty you're going to face. And you're, you're reorienting. The last point is, pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what you're doing is you're reorienting your life. Because at the end of the day, sometimes our life is not about trust. Our life is not about, God, I trust you. At the end of the day, we've just been in a dog-eat-dog world. And we're just, you know, snarling, or we're just broken, or, or any number of kind of postures of your heart. And what the last part of the examen does is it reorients you, it reorients your heart to a place of trust and hope that tomorrow God's going to be with me. He's going to be there. He's going to show up. He's going to be involved in these situations. And a lot of times why we struggle when we go to bed at night with sleeping as we're just carrying the weight of all these desolations that we've experienced. And we're not in any meaningful way stopping and taking stock of them and then at least dealing with one. So one of my acquaintances, uh, and, and we know each other, I wouldn't say we're friends, but he's a vineyard pastor named Dan Wilt. He said, you can see the list here. He describes, and, and Dan, if you know Dan, He's open about this. He's on the spectrum. He's, he's mildly autistic. And he's a super bright guy. Uh, but he has some challenges in his life. And if you look at these 10 impacts that he describes, you see how the examen can shape the life of someone who is, is challenged in relationships. And he says that his intimacy with Christ is sweeter his days are not passing in a blur. He's becoming more self-aware. He's looking forward to the next moment with God. Worry is less common for him. He's a very analytical guy, and he can just constantly get lost in, uh, he's talked about this in, in meetings, he can get lost in a moment and analyzing it. 
and, and even can, can become overwhelmed emotionally by it. He says that discernment seems higher and quicker and more fluid. Uh, the scattered moving from thought to task is minimized. He says there's a, his inner life is just quieter. It's more focused. He says companionship with Jesus feels more real and substantial. He says it helps him to go to sleep because his mind is focusing. And last of all, he says, I'm not reacting as emotionally to my circumstances. And he's a, if you know what an INFP is on the Myers-Briggs, he's a reactionary guy emotionally. And he said that this has revolutionized him, that he's found himself in situations before where he would just be overwhelmed by it, found himself composed with this poise that his feelings were still there. They're not like shut down. But suddenly he was just able to be present and to engage without being like, you know, someone throws some heat at him and he just throws it back. He said, I'm just not doing that anymore. We have opportunities every day to grow. And I want to invite you to to consider, we're going to put uh, little sheets out, little cheat sheets out in the wall out on the information wall that that explain, like, how do you celebrate? How do you do the examen? How do you do some of the spiritual disciplines that we're we're teaching you? Because we want you guys to be able to practice these things on your own. Do them, you know, if you're married. Do them with your roommate. They, They, over time, will form you into the likeness of Jesus in surprising ways. And, and that isn't just making you a more spiritual person. If you become more like Jesus, you're going to become a better worker, a better friend, a better parent, better citizen, better everything that you want to be. Becoming like Jesus is what we're made for. And it's, it's a gift from God that he gives us the, the wisdom of people like Ignatius to become you know, a tool in our lives. So, you know, we usually end every week with just, a simple time of waiting on the Lord. Uh, and I want I to do that. We're going to give God some space. Uh, and I, w- oh, I do want to uh, do one thing, just for like two or three minutes. Is anybody have a question about this? Or a comment? Maybe some of you that have practiced the examen, you, you might want to say something for 10, 20 seconds, like this is what I've enjoyed about it. So question, comment, pushback. Adam. Yeah. 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 And the more you practice the examen, what Adam was saying was don't just say, okay, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my house. Amen. That's not an examen. Uh, Unless that just bubbles up out of your heart because you just are so appreciative for those particular gifts. But there's all kinds of things. God, he lays your day out for you and just scatters his gifts all through it. Uh, it's important to, to be attentive to each of those. Somebody over here had their hand up. Wendy. Introspection would be the practice of looking at something in your life and just like something you're struggling with and just turning it over and over and over in your mind and just letting it consume you and uh, letting the the negative feelings that you have about that just begin to kind of rise up and just swallow you up till you feel hopeless and you want to, you know, uh, do something that you would regret. I don't mean harm yourself. I mean, most of the time when, when people introspect, we go out and we pick up some hard liquor 
we you know drown ourselves in uh, you know endless seasons of whatever on Netflix. We you know we don't seize uh, we don't seize the opportunity to grow and enjoy life as it's meant to. We just kind of try to deaden ourselves based on you know introspection. Uh, I, is that? Do you have an idea? Yes. Uh, Wendy said, "If you didn't hear her quiet but clear voice, it uh, introspection will tend to push you to isolation, and it will also push you into self-pity in an unhealthy way. And so, if you tend to have that that kind of experience in your mind, you're introspecting, and it's, that's not self-reflection. So, if if you like Jesus says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden." People who get into introspection are weary and heavy laden. But when you introspect, it's just you and your mind. Jesus says, come to me. Invite me into that. And it changes it. It allows you to experience reflection and honesty. And sometimes that's hard. That's reality. But you have his kind, wise, supportive uh, discerning presence with you in the middle of it. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I've sat with people before who, who do that, and I ask them, I say, listen, before, you know, I, I, you've come to me with this struggle. Uh, let's stop for a second and pray and invite the Lord into that. And it, it revolutionizes their experience, and it gives them real insight. It helps them to really profit from you know, a, a kind of review, but it's a healthy review. See, the mess we've made of our lives is because we've tried to live life on our own terms and our own strength. And that is our go-to move. When we get under pressure, I refer to my strength and my resources. I have a habit of doing that. Jesus says, when you're under pressure and you're overwhelmed, come to me. And he isn't saying avoid the, the, the mess. He's saying Engage the mess being yoked together with me. Ask me to be part of this thing that you're struggling with. And that's when it begins to change. And, and now, here's the thing. I, that, that may bring to your mind a question like, yeah, I've been in hard situations before, and I asked Jesus to show up. He doesn't show up. And then, you know, boom. What am I supposed to do then? And what I found is the reference point that we have, and the frame, the frame of reference that we have is, Jesus, will you show up? One, two, three. He's not showing up. You know? We live in this age of instant. And then the problem is, because we think that way, we think God has to work on our, our agenda. And the truth is, a lot of times, He will let us stew in a situation to help us to get in touch with all the things that are really going on. There's a, there can be value of, our, of us facing a struggle. Do you understand that? And that? We live in a society that doesn't want you to struggle, doesn't want you to be inconvenienced, and that's why it makes us so weak. Because people who, like for example, people who lift weights will tell you the way you get stronger is you push until you fail. You push, you try to lift weights that are heavier and heavier and heavier until you can't lift them and then, boom, you break it down. You can tell I don't do that much. But people that do lift weights say, the crazy thing is, after you fail, you take a day off, and then you lift weights again, and you could lift 
what you couldn't lift before. And in our culture today, we have this instant gratification, avoid pain mentality, and that even you know, our business models are, are built around that, and that works its way into our idea of what's healthy and mature and, and wise. And we get programmed to think God has to give us what we want when we want it, or he's failed us, when a lot of times he's trying to grow us. And he's trying to grow our trust in him. Because I'll tell you something, when you have to wait on God for a while, and then he comes through, your faith grows in profound ways. And when you get desperate, it will awaken you <laughs> to who God is. Now, I know sometimes the problem is, is then we go, but it doesn't seem like God shows up. Well, this is the thing that we have to realize. When we as believers engage in rhythms in our life where we're giving God time and we're learning to wait on him, then we get in those stressful situations where we have to wait we're more likely to, to recognize where he is in those situations that he's present when we've waited in silence. We've, we've focused in these areas of our lives on these spiritual practices that teach us, you know, things come slowly oftentimes as that's healthy. There isn't an oak tree in the world that, that was formed in a couple of years. They take decades. And we have to keep that in mind when we're going through these spiritual disciplines. And it helps if you do these things with other people, too, just to throw that out. Uh, other, one more question. Tommy, Tess Faye. Uh, yeah, like, well, give me a, give me an, a for example. So Tess Faye's asking, uh, how do different person, if I understand you correctly, how, do, how does your personality type affect how you approach this? Okay, so how, how would that be a challenge for you with your personality type? Yeah. Well, when uh, intro... Right. Good. So Tessa was saying, Tessa is saying, he's an introvert, and you know, roughly half of us are introverts and half of us are extroverts. And so introverts, not always, but often are internal processors. So when when there's something to struggle with, they think about it, they work at it internally, they they internally process instead of externally process. Now some extroverts can be internal processors, but you know, it, it does talk, does tend to work that way. And the problem is, is when you have an internal processing inclination, it's just easy to get nudged into that and for it to become introspection. And so I, I just think you have, to, you have to recognize that you, you have to invite Jesus into that, invite the Holy Spirit into it. And it'll, it might take you a while if you've been in the habit, like you have a rut of introspection. It might take you a while to break out of that rut. But inviting him in over and over and over like anything, it We'll, you'll form a different way of doing it. It'll just be a bit of a struggle. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about extroverts or introverts who seek to do this is you will have, when you start doing the examen, this is a nuance. You will start finding inside your heart this resistance to it. And you have to be aware of that. Everything we do, we do for a reason. It may not be a good reason. It may not be a reason we've ever really looked at. But we do things for a reason. God is purposeful. He says, I don't do anything without a cause. We're purposeful. And if I'm avoiding the examen, or I'm avoiding self-reflection, there's a reason why I'm doing that. If I feel inside me, when I start to go to bed, oh, I don't really want to do this, you know, gosh, you know, I haven't checked the Cleveland Browns score today, right? You've got to stop and say, what, what am I, what, what is that, you know? 
That's not, you can say that's the flesh. That's accurate, but it's more than that. What is that about? And you can get, if, if you notice those things, and if you're honest and willing, you can profit from it. You can start seeing that there's something, maybe there's something today. <laughs> you know, before my mind thought about it, my heart knew something happened today that I didn't want to think about. Something happened that bothered me. Or something's happening tomorrow I don't want to think about. And when we stop and do this, you know, when you skim across your life, all of a sudden you'll feel, you know, the, the speed bump. And you'll go, oh, man. And it will be this rich opportunity, not always easy, but a rich opportunity to explore something just simply in prayer. You don't have to spend the rest of the night. Trust me, you won't do that. Uh, most of the time when I do the examen, I try to do it, I won't say I do it every night, I do it, you know, four or five nights a week. I fall asleep doing it. And most people I know, like Dan Wilt said, he'll fall asleep towards the end of it. Now, now you may say, well, John, you fall asleep easily. I do, to my wife's chagrin when she wants to talk about something. But it's a good thing when you fall asleep in the middle of trying to do something like this. It's a good sign. And many people will say, this little practice has, has really revolutionized their lives. So, anyway, let's stop there. <clears throat> uh, if you could just, for a second, just close your eyes. I just want to, you know, give God some space, some time here to uh, help us to be aware of Him, you know, what, what He might want to say or do. So, Lord, we just thank You for uh, this time we've had to gather together. And before we uh, close and dismiss, we want to invite You to speak to us, to, to work among us. Like that song that we sang, that was just so sweet. When you walk into the room, everything changes. But we ask you here this morning to fill this space with your voice, with your presence, with your power, with your love, with your forgiveness, whatever you have for us. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, that you would send your spirit. Yeah, you got anything coming to mind? Yeah, I just think there's going to be some ministry for some folks who, again, that you're having problems getting to sleep. There's so many people that have problems getting to sleep. And, um, you know, afterwards, you know, as John dismisses us, um, you know, we'll be up here to pray uh, and just really, you know, seal what God's speaking about the examen, you know, into their hearts so that, that it's there, uh, just a sort of a spiritual seal, you know, yeah. for anybody who has trouble sleeping. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, if I heard you correctly, Jay, uh, those of you that have trouble sleeping and that you want to practice the examen no matter what, but in particular with some hope that it's going to help you with uh, getting to sleep at night, before we leave, uh, before you leave, please come up front. We're just going to pray with you just briefly uh, that, that God would just seal this, what you've heard tonight in your heart and, and quicken you and empower you to do it. I also feel like there's a, there's a couple of people here, uh, you have stuff going on at work that's that's really like preoccupied you and it could be you're, you you want a job could be you have a job and you want a different job could be you're looking for a job could be some stressful situation at work could be that you're trying to figure out you know what am I for and I think today the, the Lord's you know uh, the Spirit's coming to to help you with that in some really tangible way so who, who, did, I don't know if there's a lot of people that have that. Who's, who feels like, yeah, just raise your hand. That, that's me. Okay, look around. 
One, two, three, four, five. Okay, uh, keep your hands up. So in a second, I want you guys that are around people who have their hands raised, a couple of you, just real briefly interview them, what's going on, and those of you who are getting prayer, don't go into a long explanation, just be brief, and then invite the Spirit to come and wait for a couple of minutes, because I, I know He wants to come and, you know, with some power and, and touch Him and encourage Him. And I, I think be, be prepared for God to speak blessings in your life when you hear what they're struggling with, bless them, say in the name of Jesus, I bless you with whatever they, they need, because that's one of the ways that God imparts things through the body to other parts of the body. Okay, uh, anybody that's got some physical stuff, you know, physical aches and pains, sickness, whatever going on, I've heard a number of people have colds this week. Uh, it's weird, summer, late summer cold. Who has that? Anybody have them? Aaron? Sue? Wendy? Okay, so see uh, next to Wendy, next to Aaron. Uh, Aaron, just stay over there away from me. Those of you guys, you guys pray for Aaron. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. And I think there's, there's a couple people here, and this might not be easy for you to, you don't have to, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but during worship, I felt like there's some people here that you've experienced some, and all of us have experienced rejection on a certain level, but, but you've experienced a particular kind of rejection that really dogs you, and it's, it's really hard to shake, and there's certain times it comes up uh, that's really inopportune, and then it just like puts you under a really dark cloud. And I, I don't know if it had to do with family or some old, you know, really significant relationship, but uh, I would ask you before you leave, you can just come up discreetly and ask for somebody who's in the prayer team to pray for you because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. He's the spirit of the love of God, that reckless love of God that just, you know, embraces us. And when we pray in the name of Jesus, you can begin to experience uh, his presence in a way that begins to fill up that sense of loneliness and rejection that, that you're struggling with. And I'm, I'm not going to promise you that it's an overnight change, but you'll experience something that, that will begin to touch your heart and fill that empty place. And then I think there's somebody here, you have a problem, you've had a test, maybe you haven't had a test, but in the, in the, in the center of your eyesight, of one of your eyes, there's something, it's not floaters, there's something that obscures your vision that's in the center, or just a tad off center. And I think it's just in one of your eyes. Uh, if, if you're here, we want to pray for you. And there's also somebody here, you have a problem with neuropathy, which is like something in your lower legs. Uh, and if you come up front before you leave, you know, we want to pray for you. So those of you, before we dismiss, like next five minutes, those of you who raise your hand for prayer, stand up wherever you are, that wanted prayer for something, vocation, uh, Aaron and his black plague, uh, anything that you want, uh, introspection, yeah, just stand up wherever you are. And then, you guys, you're our prayer team. This is, see over there, what it says, everyone gets to play. It's one of our values. God uses everybody, not the priest only. <laughs>